Hey everyone, and welcome to the Plant Industry News Podcast, co-hosted by me, Shelby Ostriker, and Holly Hughes, with the Florida Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services Division of Plant Industry. Thanks for joining us. On today's episode, we'll hear from Trevor Smith from the Director's Desk and Brian Alford, one of DPI's plant inspectors. I mean, honestly, that is the, those are the most memorable because you don't forget them. Then, stay tuned for news and announcements in the Division Digest. From the Director's Desk with Trevor Smith. Well, welcome everyone to Plant Industry News. Uh, This is Trevor Smith, the Director of the Division of Plant Industry. And um, if you don't know me, just a little bit about my my past and and how I came to plant industry. Um, I'm actually an entomology major and I went to the University of Florida. I got my master's in entomology and nematology there. And I also got my PhD and the same. But uh, I had actually come up to Gainesville and to the Division of Plant Industry as part of a field trip when I was at the University of Central Florida taking a general entomology class. And when I got here, I saw you know, scientists, regulators, um, uh, one of the largest insect museums in the world, all being used uh, to help Florida citizens. And I was really impressed by that, and I decided one day this is where I was going to work. So even before I graduated from UF, I took the very first position that I saw that opened up, and that was as a lab technician in the entomology section. And that was kind of where my journey started with DPI. And from there, I moved up to the state survey coordinator of our CAPS program, which uh, our whole purpose in life was to find, uh, detect pests and diseases early so that we could uh, respond to them rapidly. And uh, from there, I moved up to methods development and biological control uh, as chief. And there I got to focus on fruit flies and coming up with new methodologies for trapping fruit flies, finding fruit flies, and, uh, and other kinds of technologies to, just to support the division and what we do. And then from there, eventually director of the division. So just a little bit about the history of the Division of Plant Industry. We were actually founded in 1915, and we were founded to eradicate citrus canker. So we had to have the research and development section. We had to have the field staff. We had to have the administration. We had to have everything to actually take on this disease that nobody had ever even attempted to eradicate. And, uh, and that was kind of why we ended up with uh, the diversity we had in, in our structure. So currently today, we actually have uh, five bureaus. We have the Plant and Apiary Inspection Unit, which is really the regulatory, the, the folks that uh, focus on regulating our nurseries. Uh, they're at the interdiction stations and um, at our uh, border stations in the northern parts of Florida. Uh, they run our fruit fly traps, uh, detector dogs. Uh, this all falls under uh, plant and apiary inspection and obviously beekeeping and certifying our beekeepers. In addition to that, we've got our diagnostic section and that's our entomology, nematology, plant pathology, and botany. And they're responsible not only for the Florida State Collection of Arthropods, which is the probably in the top five largest insect collections in the United States, but they are also responsible for hundreds of thousands of 
identifications a year. That could be coming in from USDA, citizens of Florida, and of course our hundreds of inspectors out in the field. And then I mentioned earlier about research and development. That's exactly what methods development and biological control is all about. So we try and find pests early, we try and eradicate, but that's not always the way it works out. So we have to find ways to help uh, our growers and Florida citizens in other ways. And some of that is uh, developing best management practices for dealing with these things, but also biological control. I mean, that's the best long-term solution to a pest problem is to introduce something that eats it or parasitizes it, controls it, takes care of it, and, uh, and that just goes on with no more input once you've established that. It's not like a chemical control process that you have to pay every single year to keep treating. Uh, in addition to our R&D section, we have a Pest Eradication and Control Bureau, and they're responsible, as you can imagine, for control and eradication programs, but right now they're really focused on citrus. Almost all of their efforts is in dealing with citrus canker, uh, citrus black spot, helping in any way we can to, for our growers to move fruit out of Florida for export, and, uh, and anything else our citrus growers need. And then finally, uh, one of our more smaller but very, very significant bureaus is Citrus Budwood Registration. And that bureau is there to make sure that our citrus growers get clean nursery stock, disease-free, and that the variety that they're getting is actually the variety they're asking for. If I order a Dancy Tangerine, I want to know I'm getting a Dancy Tangerine, not a lemon. And this is, this is one of the ways that that's, that's done. So those are our five bureaus. And then, of course, we've got a lot of different programs that are going on at any given time. One of the biggest ones we have right now is the Giant African Land Snail Program, uh, the Eradication Program. Incredibly successful. We are the only place in the world to have ever eradicated giant African land snail, and that was back in 19, between 1966 and 1975. And this was a much larger infestation. We actually had 32 population cores at one time, but we have decommissioned 22 of those, and we're down to 10 active cores. So we are well on our way to being the only place for the second time in history to eradicate this pest. And then of course, we've got all kinds of outreach materials and outreach programs. Don't pack a, the Don't Pack a Pest program is one of the most significant ones. This is where we are actively working offshore to try and keep pests and diseases from coming into Florida. So that's a very successful program. It's not only are we meeting with foreign governments, but we're actually putting posters and signage in foreign airports as well as domestic airports. Uh, to try and encourage those travelers that might be thinking about bringing a mango or something else back from grandma's house to leave it where it is and just buy a mango when you get to your destination. So, thank you all. Hey guys, Holly here, the social media coordinator for the Division of Plant Industry. Be sure to check out the DPI blog post featuring a how-to on preparing your plants for a freeze this winter. Blog posts cover a variety of topics and are published weekly at fdaxdpi.wordpress.com. I'd like to introduce my co-host, Holly Hughes. Hey, everyone. We're here today with uh, Brian Alford. He is a District 116 inspector here at the Division of Plant Industry. Uh, Brian, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? First off, I want to thank you guys for having me on the podcast. It's really cool. I really appreciate it. 
Um, what, what would you like to know about me? Um, well, first of all, thanks so much for joining us. We're excited to have you as our first official guest. Um, and we've heard that you've been working um, at DPI for roughly 10 years now, um, but you've been a plant inspector for only about 18 months. So where did you come from and, and how did you get where you are? Okay, well, um, when I was in school, I was looking for a job, you know, just uh, trying to pay my rent and stuff like that. And I found uh, there was a maintenance position here. So I started off uh, mowing grass and uh, changing light bulbs and stuff like that. And just basically doing yard work, power washing. And uh, I, I think I did that for a little under a year. And then a position opened up in the pink hibiscus mealybug program, which was a biological control program, which I believe shut down in 2012. Right before that program um, got shut down, I was actually um, I was on my honeymoon and I got a call from Dr. Greg Hodges um, telling me that um, I got the job in nematology that I had applied for and interviewed like six or seven months earlier. It took a while back then to hire people. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that was really cool. Find out on my honeymoon that uh, I got a career service position. Um, I celebrated that night, pretty good. Um, and then for five years I worked in nematology and um, you know, I basically uh, my main function was running all the soil samples and root samples that uh, nematode inspectors and just regular inspectors sent in to us. And I, you know, that, uh, yeah, that, uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> so what made you want to like become a plant inspector? I'd always kind of wanted to be a plant inspector, just the allure of um, getting to work outside and getting to travel. Um, in nematology, I got to do that a little bit with uh, Dr. Janet Brito and Dr. Renato and Sarah. We would um, go on su uh, surveys. They would be looking for specific uh, nematodes and uh, specific host plants would be where we were look what we were looking at, but more specific locations where the nematode had been found previously. I think one time we even looked. Um, in an area that the nematode was found in like 1957 and we were going back. So that's pretty cool and I, I honestly can't remember if we found it or not because that was a long time ago, but just the thought that, you know, uh, you know, from, it was probably 2014 or something and we're going to look for a nematode that was last previously found in that area in 1957 or something like that. So that was cool. But that, you know, by doing that, by going on surveys, um, it got me super like in very interested in like man this this would be a cool gig right here you get to go out be out in the sunshine uh, deal with plants doing the survey I didn't really have to deal with people that much most of the time Janet or uh, Dr. Brito or Dr. and Sarah would kind of be the lead person and talk to the nursery men or even sometimes we'd be at like state parks and they'd have to, you know, explain what we were doing there and get permission. But it gave me kind of an insight and an understanding of, you know, how uh, you want to interact with not only um, nurserymen, but, you know, just the general public. And, you know, whenever you're, you know, you're out there, you, you are the face of um, DPI. And 
Um, even when uh, people don't necessarily give you the answers you want, you kind of uh, you learn uh, how to deal with that too. Very nice. Yeah. Um, DPI has such a rich history, mm-hmm. um, and it's really cool to hear you talk about um, the past and and um, how we all have a hand in creating that history. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that's really interesting. And um, we are, we're excited to learn more about that, too, and about what you do in your typical day. So, in the life of a plant inspector, what does your typical day look like? That's one of the cool things about being a plant inspector is you don't really have a typical day, so to speak. Every day is a little bit different, but there are some basic things you do every day. Um, you're going to come in. I'm going to check... Uh, if I have any phytosanitary certificates that I need to write, if anybody's gone and pieced and requested me to um, write any of those, or doing uh, write them slash do an inspection, um, that's first thing. You know, you check your email, see if anybody have, has any questions or concerns, your phone, all that, and then uh, a lot of times I look on my dashboard and PITR and kind of get an idea of. Um, what I have that is could be either past due or coming up um, at PITR a lot uh, has been said about it a lot of people don't really like it very much some people like it um, I find it to be a pretty useful tool um, as far as kind of planning my day and um, what I need to do besides stuff that obviously that people have requested and I already have on my calendar but if I you know when I have open days I'll go to PITR and um, try to figure out, you know, what I need to do, like what's upcoming. Um, if I need to uh, do a nursery because their uh, nematode uh, is expiring in a few months, you know, all of that kind of plays into to what I'm going to do that day. And a lot of it depends on the weather too and, um, you know, how I'm feeling. You know, that's yeah. what's really cool about it is like if you, you can kind of um, – decide uh you know choose your own adventure basically it's like i'm feeling froggy today let's uh you know let's go to that 135 acre nursery and uh do what we can you know try to do you know try to knock that out or maybe if um uh i'm a little tired or something i we 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 do some smaller nurseries you know something like that but uh it's just cool because uh knowing that you uh have the opportunity to a certain extent to uh decide what you're going to do today um, is always pretty cool. Yeah, very neat. So when you go to a nursery, what does that look like for, for you? Oh, man, it's um, I have anything anywhere from people who have two plants to have, I don't know, 10 million plants. Um, wow. It's not really, it's in, and everything in between. Um, every place is a little bit different. Um, there's not, you know, there's just so much um, variety between, like, your mom and pop places that, you know, have a few things that they uh, grow just so that they can give plants away to people. And then you have people who, you know, want to sell a few plants on the side of the road on a Saturday. And then you have, you know, um, like, real deal, hardcore nurseries that are shipping, you know, out of the state, out of the country, um, and that's, you know, all manner of plant material. 
Yeah. Um, so it's there's not it's really hard to you know say what this one nursery look they're they're all pretty different. Yeah. On that note, with there being so much of a a difference in the plants that you look like look at mm-hmm. and the the diseases that you're looking for. Um, and the pests that you're looking for, there's a pretty extensive training that goes along with plant inspectors, isn't there? Oh, absolutely. We, um, I think altogether, um, I think it's four weeks, maybe now it's up to five with uh, the um, fruit fly training also. Um, I think it's four, it could be four. What, it, it's about a month of training and it's pretty intensive. Um, there's actually, the training class 90 just got done uh, I think earlier today, mm-hmm. and you know, I was talking to them, uh, some of the inspectors there, and kind of messing with them about how uh, overfilled their brains were, because there's just you know, there's so much information that gets thrown at you, and um, it's it's hard to absor- absorb it all, but the real absorption just comes from doing it every day. Like, you're not gonna learn everything there is to know about being a plant inspector in a month, you yeah. know, five weeks of. You, 10 weeks of training you're not going to I mean uh, the different like you were saying the so many different areas you need to know you need you need to know nematology entomology plant pathology plant pathology um, did I just say the same thing twice <laughs> maybe <laughs> that would be good no? yeah yeah um, and I'm sure there's something I'm forgetting and you know and it's not just that there's the paperwork side of everything too so it's not just knowing um you know what everything is or which you're not going to but hopefully by doing stuff and turning stuff in you learn but you know just the um kind of the i guess administrative side of everything yeah, sure. like what paperwork is required for what nursery what what compliances Okay, great. I got them signed. Who do I send all these to? Oh, I got it. Oh, okay. Oh, you know, it's, it's, um, it's Trial a little, like, yeah, yeah, basically, it really is. And, uh, it's really overwhelming at first. Like, it, like, it was, it was pretty trying for me. Um, but just, just super overwhelming because, you know, I've been, I've been doing the same thing for five years in hematology and you just get, it's kind of like rote memory, you know, you just mm-hmm. like, I could do I could run samples with my eyes closed and sure. probably do the paperwork too. <laughs> but you know, when uh, whenever you're so used to doing stuff and you're not actually pushing yourself and then you push yourself that hard cuz I mean it 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 is I don't think there's anybody um and if they are I'd like to meet them that can just jump in the position and just feel comfortable like oh, I know this like the back of my hand, you know, I feel yeah. comfortable. So it's uh definitely and even now, I mean um, I've I talked to some inspectors that have been doing it for over twenty years, and you know they're still learning stuff. So it's a just a it's a learning process throughout. You you never stop learning stuff, and there's always new diseases and pests that are gonna pop up, especially with Florida being a sentinel state. You know mm-hmm. we're always gonna have oh, yeah. new stuff, um, and you just gotta kind of stay on top of things. And you know when they, you know send out those pest alerts pay attention to them and bolos and all that stuff you have to you know try to stay abreast of things just so you kind of have an idea of what's out there and what you should be looking for but yeah so you service district 116 Mm -hmm. so what counties are you know what area of the state does that include 
I always have to use my fingers to make sure I got all, get all five of them. I got Levy, Dixie, Swanee, Gilchrist, and Lafayette County. Okay. And how many nurseries are in those counties? Um, I can't remember how many active nurseries I have exactly. I think it, I think it's somewhere like a, between 154 and 157, something like that, I want to say. Okay. And did you like shadow another inspector whenever you first started in that area in order to kind of yes um kelly douglas who's who's now my supervisor actually was the inspector in that area so she had a a fairly she i think she'd only done it for about a year and a half but she had a fairly intimate knowledge of of the area and then could give me tips and kind of explain things to me but my supervisor at the time cheryl jones um, would come with me and was very helpful. Even um, other inspectors like Janie Eccles, um, she's in Glen St. Mary, I believe. She was was and still is super helpful. I mean, all of the inspectors and um, supervisors, we all help each other out as much as we can because there's just so much information. It's hard to... Yeah remember everything it's like you kind of say oh, you know I'll uh, text one of them or say what am I supposed to do here is this right I did this is this right you know just yeah. to uh, reassure yourself so you know it's a good good group of folks that um, we all try to help each other out and um, um, you know try to answer any questions that any of us have and they've all been super helpful um, you know especially Poor Cheryl had to deal with me, and I was making a lot of mistakes at first, <laughs> just for getting silly stuff, because I just wasn't used to yeah. doing that much paperwork, and I'd like forget to write a date on something or sign my name at the bottom of something. It's like, oh God! But she, yeah, so uh, she had to put up with that for for a little while, and uh, she was very very helpful with uh, not getting too mad. <laughs> <laughs> that's true with everyone across all like yeah. the entire division that I've interacted with uh -huh. is like they really preached to us about how FX is a family and I definitely I kind of experienced that same effort of helpfulness and just wanting everyone to succeed and you know contribute yeah. to the success of the whole division you know day in and day out just even doing my job of you know, social media and, and that kind of yeah. thing, so. Yeah, I think about the soft palmetto berry thing that happened this year, mm -hmm. and there was no choice but for all of us to pull together and interact and figure out what to do and how to work together to get that whole situation understood and figured out. I mean, that was a nightmare without uh, the cooperation. Imagine right. if people didn't cooperate with each other. Yeah. It, would, it, it wouldn't have gotten done. It couldn't have happened. You know, it's yeah. like, that's one of the things, like, with these emergency programs, it's like all hands on deck, everybody pulls together. It's like when you're first looking at it, you're like, how are we going to do this? And, you, you know, you just one foot in front of the other. One, everybody does their job. Everybody helps other the other person out. And, you know, we get it done. We knock stuff out. Yeah, especially with those emergency programs because you get to know the people that you're working with. Very so well. so well and so quickly and you don't mm -hmm. really have a choice but to do it quickly i mean you're spending l long hours with them and then you know you're going back to the hotel and you're with them you wake up they're there so you you know you get uh 
more than just a working relationship with the people that uh, you go on program with, and it's it's really cool. But you know, that's just a good example of how you know DPI comes together with each other and how how well we are at working together, or either that the supervisors or higher ups are good at putting together the people that can work with each other. Oh yeah, they, they pick, <laughs> whatever the case may be. They yeah. pick their family slash team well, their yeah. work family well. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So with that, what are some of the challenges that you face in the field? Challenges in the field. Um, that's that's kind of tough. I mean. I'm not real sure what you mean by challenges. I mean, besides, I mean, weather can be a challenge. Yeah, sure. Um, a lot of times, finding some of these locations can be a challenge. Like yeah. some of my nurseries are 0.5 miles southeast of Intersection 219 and County Road 312. You know what I mean? And uh-huh. It's like, no, nah, it's not real easy to find on on uh, your phone. Yeah, yeah. Google, you know. I mean, it's some of it is. Some of it isn't, but you know, just stuff like that. And you know, sometimes um, if you have to, you know, put a nursery under quarantine or something like that, that um, can be a challenge. Just having to explain to people why, why you know, they can't move their their plants, mm-hmm. um, stuff like that. And you know, anytime um, you deal with challenges like uh, the deal with the the guava root knot nematode thing that just came up, all these people that uh, want to ship to Louisiana um, were just told they can't ship to Louisiana if they had any root knot nematode in their samples past time. So they'd already, a lot of people had already paid for their nematode certification, so I have to call them up and say, oh, hey, uh, you know how you paid for your, uh, your nematode certification? Well, you can't, you can ship to Texas, but you can't ship to Louisiana, but for fifty more dollars oh, no. a sample, I can come out and redo this, and you know you, you obviously don't say it like that. I'm joking, you know, tongue in cheek type of deal. But um, you do have to explain to them that you know this is not something that we want to do. This is something that Louisiana is requiring, um, and uh, our job is to make sure that you get your plants to Louisiana if that's what you want to do. Now, for me to do that, I have to. You know, tell this is what has to be done. Bing, bing, bing. So I'm gonna have to come out here, and then once you explain it to them like that, then they kind of understand. And most of them are, um, you know, were fairly gracious about the whole thing. But sometimes you get people who don't listen mm-hmm. through the whole thing, and they just hear um, they can't do something, yeah. and they get their hackles up, and you kind of have to talk them off the ledge. And have a few of those. We'll name any names. <laughs> yeah, so there's a lot of customer service involved with Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, it is. So. And like I said before, I mean, you are the face of DPI. A lot of these people, um, well, I shouldn't say a lot of them, but some of them, you're the only face they're ever going to see yeah. um, that has to do with DPI or the inspector, not just your face, but you know what I'm saying. So you, um, you don't want to... For them to have a, a bad experience, interaction yeah. experience with you because that's sure. gonna color their whole idea of the division of plant industry and maybe even FDAX as a whole, you know. So Oh yeah, because you got that seal on your shirt. Yeah, you do. <laughs> so, um what working with the other bureaus, 
How do they help you with the challenges that you face? Maybe those when you have to put a nursery under quarantine and things like that. Well, putting a nursery under quarantine, they most of the time, well, like Botany, who I forgot to mention earlier. That's the one I forgot. Hey, Patty. <laughs> Shout um, out. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, if it's for a noxious weed, Patty would be the one that positively ID'd it. Like, I can look at it and tell, but I'm not a scientist, so it's not official until, sure. like, Patty would look at it and say, yes, this is tropical spiderwort, and so that it's quarantinable. But as far as, like, the other bureaus, like, I had to um, um, email um, Dr. Kishore Day mm -hmm. yesterday, or two days ago, I'm sorry, um, I had a Fido that was um, for blueberries going to India, and uh, they have additional declarations which say there was like a long list of um, viruses that it couldn't have um, to be able to ship to India. Well, I don't know um, about every virus there is, so what do I do? Well. I email uh, Kishore and ask him, you know, are these viruses known um, to occur in Florida? And um, if they do, can they be visually inspected for? If not, I'm going to have to, you're going to have to do testing uh, or prove there's tests that these viruses aren't there or you're not going to be able to ship. And, you know, that's one example. And a lot of times, you know, um, there'll be something similar to that and I'll have to ask entomology. Um, I mean, that's pretty much the most straightforward version of that. But there are a lot of times, you know, you're going and just asking them questions mm -hmm. about stuff. Like, you know, if um, you're not sure about something or, you know, with a particular plan or something or, you know, anything. Um, yeah. They're just, um, all of the um, scientists are very helpful and very good answering questions that you, you might have. And it, it's, you, you don't, you know, it's not intimidating yeah. to go and ask them. You know, you don't, yeah. you know, you'd be like, hey, you know, because they know we don't know everything. Right. Um, now, I'm sure if you ask the same question every time, they're going to get annoyed <laughs> a little bit. Um, but, you know, that that's, you know, some of the some of the ways that, that uh, the other ologies yeah. help out sure. with my daily tests. <laughs> what would you say that you can share with us? Has been your most memorable experience or interaction while since you've been a plants inspector? Oh, that's I don't, that's really hard. I don't. It's so much memorable stuff, and so especially my first year doing it, it was like everything was so new, and it's like uh, just the like how I said earlier how you know some places have like two plants but they want to keep their nursery uh, keep their nursery license and they are officially a nursery yeah. um i can't give like one specific um you know example of like a craziest thing that happened just the whole the whirlwind of being a plant inspector uh, at the beginning is just super memorable like it just everything it just like comes at you so fast and you're just learning so much stuff and right. um yeah, I mean, the most memorable stuff 
um, is definitely any of the emergency programs. Um, but I was doing that. I was doing those before. Um, you know, I was an inspector. Right. But um, yeah, I, th- I think I even did one of those when I was still um, in maintenance. So they, <laughs> <laughs> they'll take anybody. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I feel like um, eradication programs or emergency programs always bring like a big dose of energy and just kind of adrenaline to the division. Yeah. I mean, it's very much all hands on deck and stuff, so to kind of get that boost of, I don't know, just something different to do is um, yeah. brings a good energy to the division, I think. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, that, that, I mean honestly, that is the, those are the most memorable because you don't forget them. I mean, it's a completely separate from what you do. It kind of uproots you from your life. You're working with people you don't work with every day, and you you know you don't forget these people. Like yeah. you go on an emergency program ten years later, you're like, ah, I remember you. You were there the second week of gals program, yeah. you know, yeah. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So that's honestly for me the most memorable stuff is just any of the emergency programs. They're 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 really cool. If you guys ever get a chance to to do one, you need to uh, volunteer for oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So, uh, new inspector training class ninety just wrapped up uh-huh. this week. That's yeah. what we've been doing. TC eighty nine, baby. That's <laughs> <right>. <laughs> hey so, guys. <laughs> so, what advice would you have for them just getting started in their plant inspection career? But then anybody who would be interested in doing what you do, what advice would you have for them? I would um, tell them to um, not stress out so much and just really try to enjoy the fact that they get a, to have a job that they get to be outside and get to interact with people. I mean, I know work piles up a lot sometimes and there's more stuff, there's, there's not enough time in the day to do all the work we need to do. Um, that's not gonna change. So just, you know, try to uh, soak up all the knowledge that you can about, uh, you know, any anything from uh, the, nurseries you go to the people the the nurserymen to you know in all the stuff that they have and um just soak up knowledge and really try to enjoy your job because it really is a cool job and uh, i'm not just saying this because i'm on the podcast like Mm -hmm. you can ask like i i really really like um my gig man it's it's really cool um yeah anytime you guys want to come out uh feel free to well, hit the field sometime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks, Brian, so much uh, yes, for sharing your journey with us of no how, you, how you got to where you are and um, helping everybody understand that DPI is a, a, a real family atmosphere and FDAX as a whole yeah. um, definitely is a family atmosphere. Um, we've learned that there's so much to learn, whether you work in maintenance or plant inspection or Heck, if you're in administration or the yeah. director's office, um, we're always facing challenges, and and we're real really lucky to have someone like you on our team. Well, thanks, so. I appreciate that. All right, thanks, Brian. Thanks for having me. When you travel by land, sea, or air, ask, "Can I bring it?" and declare agricultural items. With your help, we could safeguard natural resources and protect the food supply from invasive pests and disease. Whatever your destination, enjoy the journey. And remember, don't pack a pest.
Division Digest. In December, we celebrated our end of the year awards at our holiday luncheon. A big congratulations goes out to our fall award recipients. Those people include Dr. Paul Skelly for winning the Edward W. Berger Award, Cheryl Jones for winning the inaugural FMO Burn Award, Matthew Brody for winning the Career Achievement Award, and Ken Kwan Lai, this year's Employee of the Year. Great job, guys. Another major announcement for this month is the retirement of Dave Westerfeld. Dave, thank you so much for all you've, you've done for the division. Dave has worked for the division for over 24 years. He's worked in various roles, including research technician, inspection supervisor, and he finally became the chief apiary inspector and has been that in that role for the last five years. Um, Dave was also heavily involved in the University of Florida's B College, uh, where he was able to speak at every single event, um, and he's the only speaker to have achieved that goal. Um, he even spoke in um, the events that occurred in the Caribbean. We are so happy that Dave chose to spend a lot of his career with us, and um, we want to wish you the best of luck, Dave. Thank you so much for your service to the department and your dedication to safeguarding Florida's agriculture, especially the apiary industry. And one more announcement, DPI employees, don't forget that in a recent announcement from the governor, in addition to our regularly scheduled holidays, the department will also be closed on Christmas Eve, Monday the 24th, and New Year's Eve, Monday the 31st. Thanks for tuning in to Plant Industry News. We appreciate our special guests for keeping us informed and updated. Follow us on social media at FDAXDPI. If you like what you heard and want to hear more, subscribe and rate us wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any questions, suggestions, or announcements you think should be included, email us at dpi-blog at freshfromflorida.com. This podcast was produced in part by Olivia Doyle, Holly Hughes, and Shelby O'Striker. Don't bug us. We'll have another episode next month.